The biggest sport in the United States is football. Hockey, soccer, basketball, ultimate frisbee, they all pale in comparison to the old pigskin. Actually, American football has the highest average game attendance of any sport in the entire world, with 17.6 million people attending an NFL game every year. And there's no bigger football state than Texas. The University of Texas at Austin College football team, that would be the Longhorns, are worth more than any other team in the league. That college football cash cow is worth $131 million. Feminist writer Jessica Luther lives right in the heart of Texas football country, and she's a big football fan herself. Hi, this is Jessica Luther. I'm a freelance journalist living in Austin, Texas, and I write on sports. When she's not organizing pro-choice protests at the state capitol or busily blogging for Vice Sports, Jessica Luther is likely watching a football game. She's hard at work right now on a book about violence in sports culture, an especially critical topic given the pattern of domestic abuse and sexual abuse seen among college and pro football teams. Here's our conversation. Well, Jessica, I know you're working on a book that has something to do with violence and sports culture, but that's basically all I know about it. Can you tell us a little bit more about what it is you're researching and what you're interested in exploring that relates to violence and sports? Sure. The book is actually pretty specific. It's college football and sexual assaults and that intersection. Uh, I'm writing it at Akashic Books with Dave Zirin. He has a new sports and culture imprint, and he originally just sort of asked me to write a general book about the intersection of sports and, and sexual violence or violence against women. And it, I was like, there's too much to say. So I narrowed it down to college football um, and sexual assault. And it's a thematic look. So I am, I'm looking at cases across time, like the earliest one that I was able to find was 1974, I think at Notre Dame, and sort of all the cases that I was able to find across time and what patterns I pulled out of that, but also the way schools respond, the way the media respond, the total lack of response from the NCAA, um, stuff like that to try to look at the patterns that come out of this in order to start a conversation about how we change that pattern. So you spend, I assume, all day long knee deep in really terrible research about the worst thing that could happen. And so I'm interested sort of what you're exploring there, what sort of patterns have you seen emerge when you look at the history of violence related to college football? Yeah, I do spend a lot of time. I actually, one of the biggest struggles for me on the book is the editing process. It's hard to go back into it and revisit the topic once you feel like you've said something um, because there's a lot of sort of emotional work that goes along with reading hundreds of cases. So I've located over 110 cases since 1974, which is not a huge number um, across time. But there are, you know, this this kind of crime in particular is massively underreported. Um, these, these are cases of sexual assault by fo- college football players. And so they it ranges from accusations all the way to people who've been convicted. Most of it, of course, is just accusations because very few cases make it to charges or even especially to uh, conviction. And one of the things that I found that I, you know, and there's nothing really scientific about my work, so it's hard to say. Um, There's probably a lot of cases I haven't been able to find just because of the way that um, my limits to research on my own. But one of the things that's kind of alarming is most of the cases involve multiple football players, um, 
most of them as perpetrators, multiple perpetrators in an incident, but also you get uh, witnesses to the crime um, or maybe even accessories, I guess. So one of the things that's kind of scary about it is the idea that this is taking place, that there are multiple players from the same team who are engaging in um, acts of violence together, which is a particular thing I'm interested in because of team culture. Um, And, you know, this is something I think a lot about with fraternities and sort of that kind of all, you know, very masculine space, right? Um, Some of the other stuff that I've looked at is the way that universities don't really do much about it um, or actively try to not talk about it. This is one thing that I really am interested in is sort of the fact that the NCAA, which is the governing body of all collegiate sports, um, just doesn't seem to care at all about this. So one of, like when you read the recruiting manual for, you know, a college football player, when he's being recruited, it is so there, what coaches can and cannot do is so specific. Like we're talking like time limits of how long they can talk to them on the phone. Um, you know, very specific stuff. And then when it comes to whether or not sex can be used in recruitment, there's like kind of just a nothing in the, in the book. And you think, well, you could do something. Um, and so I look at those sort of points in time um, that just repeat over and over and over again in, in so many cases. And so one thing that's interesting, I think, about your perspective is that while you're looking at really the worst side of sports – you're also a sports fan. You're a big football fan. So can you tell me about being a football fan and how you counter those two different realities? The fact that uh, that these horrible crimes are able to be done in part because of the culture that football creates and being a part of that culture and loving the game. Yeah, I think a lot about my own consumption of sport, um, especially college football. I have this sort of really sad encyclopedia in my head of coaches and teams and specific players. And I know all of them and I'm sort of the Debbie Downer of the group. If we're <laughs> even like I'm with people and we're watching and I'm like, Oh, well that's the guy that did this thing. And, you know, I'm, uh, and so it's something I'm actively aware of all the time while I'm consuming sports at this point in time, I can't, shut that off. Um, At the same time, I still really love watching. Uh, Part of it is that it's um, just something I've done my entire life. And sort of changing that kind of pattern in your own life can just be a difficult thing to do. At the same time, um, I feel like we all can relate to the way that we compromise as, you know, women moving through the world. Um, where our limits are, right? And I, at this point, I'm not sure exactly where my limit is with football. I definitely watch it much less than I used to, but I still watch it. I love athleticism. I love competition. I love watching what these people can do and how they do it and how they do it as a team. Like all the sort of good things about sports I still really care about. Um, But there is sort of a constant nagging in my head but at the same time I go to movies all the time that have people in them that I have issues with and I just sort of put that to the side while I'm consuming it and then go back to tweeting about it later or something to that effect (laughs) so it's not as if I don't already have the skills to consume problematic material and still enjoy it so I think it's just it's getting harder to do it but I still like to watch sports 
what what brings you back to watching football still what what do you love about football specifically oh that's a good question um I mean I do there is just like the straight up athleticism I mean oh I'm trying to remember who it was last there was a guy last weekend who did the most amazing route he was running and he did this kind of weird flip thing in the air and kept going and I watched the vine of it like a hundred times like I am so interested in people's abilities to move like I'm really interested in the human body and how people can do sort of what look like superhuman feats to us um yeah and I I think a lot of the problems that that we're discussing here so the the ability to um sexually assault somebody get away with it and even have that behavior be uh be praised be you know people saying like guys sharing photos and saying like that's sweet that's cool that's created by the culture around sports and that culture is clearly something that we need to change do you think that that ties into the sport itself like is this a football problem because of the way football is or is it just that this that football has this place in american society where it has the infrastructure built around it that allows these things to happen i think it's more the second I do, I'm sort of a structuralist generally on stuff like this. So I do think that it happens to be that that's our most popular sport. And for all those reasons, the sort of system works in their favor when it comes to um, these kind of crimes. You know, I think sport in general, in the same way that like a fraternity space or the military that's also, you know, heavily men and very masculine, um, creates a sort of specific space that that violence can happen and be covered up and minimized. Um, You know, I don't know if that's, I don't think that's special to football as a sport outside of the fact that football is incredibly powerful as an, as a cultural institution. Um, I don't, you know, I, I sort of don't know what to think about the brutality on the field versus the brutality off the field. I don't, we don't really have any, you know, statistics. We have such, bad statistics just with sexual assault generally um it's not hard to imagine that the, mi- the messages are incredibly mixed uh especially i mean I, I work on college ball right and so i'll look at you know recruits who are 17 year old kids and they have teams that recruit them by photoshopping their picture onto the magazine like a fake people magazine cover of them arm in arm with like beyonce you know, and the implication is like if you come here and play football for us, you will your reward will be fame and women, right? Um, and then I'm going to put you on the field and tell you that your job is to go beat up people, um, and we're going to cheer you for it. Like, you know, there's a lot going on there in this particular sport, especially when we're talking about young men, um, that could be very specific to it. But I do think there is something bigger about the fact that football is so powerful as a cultural institution that goes sort of above and beyond it as a particular sport. So so as a football fan and somebody who's critical of the culture on the sport that leads to violence, what do you think you can do as a fan and we as the collective fan base can do to help change the culture of the sport? Or is the culture not something that fans can change? It's got to be something that comes from the top, from NCAA officials and Uh, people who actually have the money here. I mean, this is the hardest thing, is that, you know, there's a lot of push for, like, coaches should teach players, and I'm not a real advocate of that. I worry about people who are raised in the exact culture we're trying to change as 
being the uh, leaders in changing that culture, I think that that is just um, naive in a lot of ways. We see too many instances where coaches are happy to look away or I think a lot about there was a case um, last year outside the lines at ESPN did two major profiles of the Missouri Athletic Department involving multiple football player cases. Uh, And sort of after the second one came out, there was a press conference and they asked the head coach, Gary Pinkle, like, what are you what are you guys doing, you know, to maybe stop this or do something? And he was like, oh, there's a coach who talks to the guys sometimes. It was like. Could you be less specific about what that even means? And like, why this guy? And what is he saying? And how often does he say it? Um, oh, what can fans do? I don't know, man. I, I think you, I'm a writer, right? And a tweeter. And so part of it is just to continue to yell about it. I, th- I think teams in this age of social media have no choice but to respond in some way when it becomes a thing. Um, you know, and I see the power in that. I recently had a piece that I wrote at Texas Monthly with my friend Dan Solomon about a specific case at Baylor. And, you know, it it blew up really fast. It's the national news. And within days of us breaking this, the you know, there was a it involved a player who had transferred from Boise to Baylor and then committed sexual assault at Baylor. And the athletic directors of the Big 12 conference that Baylor is a part of met the next week and changed the transfer rule. Um, what that will look like practically on the ground is another thing. Um, you know, there's lots of ways for teams to get around rules. We know that too well. But like, you know, people made noise and they told Baylor that they cared and they told the Big 12 that they weren't happy. And there was enough of it that within less than a week, the transfer rule will change from the story breaking. So, you know... That's my silver lining. Um, I think it can be frustrating to sound, to feel like you are this big story and it changed one rule and hopefully that prevents future tragedy. But that is a big deal. You know, changing one rule by writing a story about it is, is a really big deal. And so I'm wondering how, as a fan of football, you feel about being critical of football. Is there ever a time when you feel like, you know, it's it's being unsupportive of the sport that you love to call it out? No, but I don't think that ever about um, <laughs> this kind of cultural criticism, right? Um, I guess what am I doing if I, uh, with my life, if I felt otherwise? I would rather just be better. I would rather not have a list of victims that I think about every single day. I sort of have this, I mean, I've worked with certain survivors and I've told certain survivor stories and and I think about them a lot, right? Um, and I wish that that wasn't part of my sports viewing uh, experience. And so, you know, and, and on some level that sounds kind of selfish, like poor me, but I just mean just generally like I want the sport to be better. Like I want, I one of the reasons that I like to watch tennis, which is my favorite thing to watch, is that that aspect isn't there, right? But then I watch and I... I'm acutely aware of sort of the racism that Serena Williams faces every time she gets on the court. But, you know, it's like none of it's perfect. Um, It's just sort of what you can manage. And in all of those cases, I want them all to be better. Like I want, I want to have a fan viewing experience that isn't sort of tainted by 
these things that seem fixable to me, that seem like they could be better if people cared enough to do anything about it. writer Jessica Luther. Keep an eye out for her book on sports and violence next year. In the meantime, you can join her 18,000 followers on Twitter at SCATX. You're listening to Papaganda.